All right, guys, welcome back to the Flag Hunting Podcast, NASCAR episode for the week. Uh, we're going to be going over our hometown race uh, this week, the Coke 600. Uh, but obviously before that, some big festivities that uh, Chris partook in up in North Wilkesboro, our old stopping grounds from college, uh, where not only did he get to watch the first iteration of the All-Star race in there, but uh, got to meet up with our good buddy Skybox, uh, maybe introduced him to a few of uh, North Carolina's finer cuisines um, and cultures up there, so... Chris, yeah, man. I mean, I was sitting there sweating the PJ Championship all uh, week. Didn't really uh, get a chance to, yeah, take in the All Star race until maybe the race started. So just give me maybe an idea of the experience you had at North Wilkesboro, man. I heard it was a was a hell of a time up there on the mountaintop this uh, this year. Yeah, that was one of the coolest, I think, experiences I've ever had in the NASCAR scene. Um, you know, I've not that I've been to a lot of tracks. I think this, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to get my get my bearings on going to different places um but you know between you know the all-star race in charlotte the roval the cook 600 you know darlington um you know the ones i've been to wilkesboro is probably right up there with like the 600 as far as like the pre-race festivities like the buzz up there was phenomenal um one the one thing i was worried about you know the whole time the reason why i hadn't bought tickets you know two months prior was because you know all you heard about was traffic 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 traffic's gonna be a mess parking's gonna be a mess it was flawless. I think I waited in about a minute of traffic. Like they had it down to a T. Uh, they worked apparently. I didn't even know this ahead of time, but I found out after the fact that they purposely worked with Waze, like the Waze app, to where like if you were going to a certain lot, they had you directed a different way. So every lot was going a different direction on Waze in and out, which was just like, it was crazy. I'm telling you, they did phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal job. All the way around. The pre festivities festivities were awesome. Um, there was a there was a free Dirks Bentley concert, uh, which was you know the vibes were high for that. Um, it was pretty cool. Chloe even had some coworkers who got to, they just went up the mountain just to go to the Dirks Bentley concert. Could, could care less about NASCAR. They just went they just wanted to go to the, the concert. So you had you know probably I would say me and Mark were looking around like there had to have been 10... 15,000 people just on the lawn watching that Dirks concert. Like it was incredible. Uh, we, we went to the, the tweet up beforehand, you know, got to see Jeff Gluck, Bob Pockers, Bozy Tedarevich, um, Toby Christie from tobychristie.com, um, some of the front stretch guys, um, Jordan Bianchi, Freddie Kraft, Brett Griffin, like all the talking heads in NASCAR, they were all at this tweet up. Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. It was the biggest tweet up that they've had since they've been doing the whole tweet up. Um, we, it was so big that me and Mark couldn't even get in the picture. There were so many people there, but yeah, I mean, everything about it that, uh, even in the track, right. I, I walked up to the track. We, we walked up to the track 20, 30 minutes before the race was the, everything was going to start. Didn't even wait in line. Just walked right in the gate. Like they scanned our tickets right to our seats. Like everything about it was just incredible. Um, so I have all good things to say about Wilkesboro. I will a hundred percent be looking to go back next year. Um, but more importantly, you guys are wondering about the race. <laughs> um, so the race itself, you know, probably not the most exciting race in the world. The Open was phenomenal. The Open was great racing, a lot of passing, a lot of competition. I think Ty Gibbs had the best car, gets in a little scuffle with McDowell. Yeah. Um, but luckily, we still cashed the top three there, um, which which actually helped a lot of our weekend. Because um, I think we went plus like six units on that. Um, but yeah, so the, the race itself... Um, yeah, I would say early on, like when it, the race first started, I was like, I thought Denny was going to be the best car. Like Denny, the oh, first, yeah, <laughs> like the first like 20, 25 laps, I was like, oh my God, Denny is like, 
he's going to be really good. Uh, and then we had that first caution, and a few guys came into pit. Most of the guys that, that were starting in the back, Larson being one of those guys, uh, Reddick Bubba also came in, and they absolutely tore through the field. Larson, it was a sight to watch just to see him absolutely work everybody. He was getting like so. They actually had like had like a concrete groove yeah. uh, at, the, at the exit of four. And Larson was, I mean, like inches from that bottom wall, taking advantage of that concrete. He apparently learned it during the truck race the day before. And it's it was just wild to me as like me and Mark were watching it because we had a perfect view down the front stretch coming off of four. It was baffling to me that he was the only one running that line. Like were none of the other drivers noticing on telemetry like what he was doing or were they just not able to like to replicate it? I don't know. But Larson was just bad fast um obviously stunk up the show i think he he got out of the car and he said you know that was an old school ass kicking right there um and it was for sure without a doubt uh, they were even talking about on the i had mrn on when i was listening uh at the race i was listening to mrn they kept saying on the radio like man if larson wasn't in this field it'd be a heck of a race because from second to tenth i mean it was a really good i mean they were all kind of you know jostling positions there but yeah larson was just had the best strategy, the best car, everything about that performance was, was just really fun to watch. And uh, yeah, we talked about this a lot earlier today, me and Ian, but man, he feels confident right that right now. Um, that five team is going to be a force to reckon with. And uh, yeah, I think we see that justified this week on the books that they, they already took their stand and they, they obviously see the momentum coming. Um, so we'll get to talking about that, but yeah, overall, I think Wilkesboro was, you know, obviously, you know, maybe the race wasn't the best, but as from the overall weekend, it was a huge success for them. They will 100% be back next year. You don't spend $20 million to renovate a track and not come back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess from what you did get to watch, do you have any different thoughts or anything you want to ask about? Uh, no, I, I watched the whole race. Um, it it kind of lined up pretty perfectly after after Kepka's trophy ceremony. I turned right on and uh, they were about to go green. So, yeah, I, I mean, I echo obviously everything you, you said. Um, it was pretty cut and dry. I mean, the first 30 laps, it was kind of wide up in the air. I thought uh, Hamlin obviously was the class of the field, but then you had guys like Logano and Suarez and um, uh, that was, that was kind of the, the top three, I think for me, uh, yeah. at least stage one. And then, like you said, once, once the, the strategy came up, I mean, it was so abundantly clear, like even, even as the run progressed, like Larson on 30 lap tires versus everyone else on 50 lap tires. I mean, he was just, him and Reddick and um, and Bubba and I think Eric Jones and like Austin Dillon, all those guys that brought up the yeah. rear, like I said, uh, were just dicing away through the field. So that must have been awesome to watch, just kind of seeing the, the dichotomy. And you know, there were guys that were obviously <clears throat> really struggling with their handling. Unfortunately for us, some of the guys that uh, were on our card, but uh, there were guys that were just wheeling it through there, and uh, it looked like they were passing on rookie mode back and like NASCAR champs of the Cup 2003, just doing whatever they wanted to. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned in the, in the golf episode that golf had a bit of a throwback to 2018 with Kepka. I mean, that felt like uh, every bit of 2021, or at least as close as we've seen um, in, in some time in this sport. So, yeah, for me, we already had the Larson Championship at 7-1. to one. I don't think we've, we've made that public yet, but I've uh, officially re-upped at 6-1 to one, uh, after watching that. I'm, I'm in pretty heavy on, on Kyle Larson, so not only is my favorite driver, but I mean, he, he's just the fastest car weekend we got. We've been seeing it for ages. It's the reason he's the favorite. He's been the favorite at short track to intermediates. No matter where we go, it feels like he's the he's the guy that books feel the most. Um, and so I feel like six to one is still a decent price uh, to get in on because 
I, I, I mean, you just go through the grid and I don't know if there's anybody in the field that's capable of making the field look that bad. I mean, even I know the fresh tires are not fresh tires. Um, it's just, it's a rare start to see one car just absolutely mow down um, some of the best drivers in the sport, it's particularly with how fast some of those guys uh, look throughout the week. And Larson, um, you know, if we're, you know, going through like our private gambling correspondence, I mean, if you were looking for the practice numbers on, um, I guess it was Friday or, or it was Saturday, right? When they actually practiced for Cup. Friday they practiced, practice. Saturday the heats, but the heats yeah. were on rain slicks. So it was hard to take anything from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also talking about the, the practice numbers on, on yeah. Friday. Larson really did not pop uh, one bit. And he was, and we talked about it last week. We're like, if this is, if there's ever a track where Larson's like not going to have like the, the huge edge we normally see these, these intermediates and these kind of, uh, these other tracks that he's consistently like the, the consensus favorite on. Uh, we felt like this was an opportunity for the field to maybe get one back on the five and uh, very much went the other way. So yeah, obviously as a, as a Larson fan and a future ticket holder, um, awesome sight to see. Um, definitely jealous that I wasn't able to get down there. Um, but yeah, going to make it. Yeah. Your, your, um, your description definitely made it a, uh, an opportunity worth, um, just a thought for mine um, going forward, maybe a worthwhile stop before um, they move this race away. So hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah. I mean, the fan turnout was fantastic, not just for obviously the, uh, the actual main event, but for the truck race, for, uh, for the opens, for the heat races. So uh, I think North Wilkes Bro did itself proud and hopefully NASCAR knows what they're doing. And they, they see that, you know, this is where the grassroots fan base really, really resides and they can, you know, keep coming back to this, this track. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. It was, it was awesome to see just because I think I just love seeing like just the, the fall off some lap times and who can kind of wheel it around on shitty tires for 60, 70 laps. I mean, we got like, you know, we got 80, 90 lap green flag runs and that really separated the class of the field. So that's always for me as, um, a budding motorsport fan, I think. Well, uh, and, and to your uh, point about the, the tires too, right? So I think the real turning point for that race where like you could almost like if I had access to be able to bet live, uh, the real turning point was when Byron came in at like lap 50 or 60. Right. Maybe it was later. I don't know exactly what it was, but it happened right in front of us. We saw him pull in early and he tried to do the same strategy, but lost a lap. Couldn't Mm -hmm. make it, couldn't make it back up. And within like 15, 20 laps, they were saying on the radio that he had like what 30 40 fresher 40 yeah 30 40 lap pressure tires than larson yeah and larson was already surpassing his lap times and i was like <laughs> oh my god this is over like yeah. and i think and i think that's what that's what teams were so scared to make a move in the mm-hmm. last 100 laps because they saw what happened to byron so mm-hmm. i really think that was the real turning point where like somebody tried to go off strategy and it screwed them and that every other team was like they put their tail between their legs because they were like we don't know what to do and larson is absolutely lapping everybody so right. And there was no cautions. I mean, the the, the main kind of quote unquote gimmick was the fact that teams only had one set of slicks after the the competition caution, right? Or yeah, uh, and so, or stickers, not slicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, well, if you were Larson, you had you had slicks. So that was also there. I don't know if you heard about this, but they were also saying on the radio, I think it was the nine team, uh, was like, if there was a caution, say there was more than one caution in that last hundred lap race or hundred lap uh, segment, yeah, run. Um, if there was more than one caution, Larson already had the upper advantage there too, because that was apparently Cliff Daniel's strategy was, Hey, we're going to come in and pit after these 10 laps. So now we have 10 laps slicks. Scuffs. And yes. Yeah. Sorry. Scuffs. 
and then we have the the one part with the new one stickers part. that we can put on uh right. so they were just like like car execution like everything was just spot on for that five team it was just it's just like a tip of the cap like what do you do like uh yeah. i think i think nascar was probably hoping that the tires would wear a little bit more in the 100 lap run and that people would have to pit but it just that wasn't the case there weren't there wasn't enough or they were able to go the whole run without having to pit so yeah. it'd, it'd be interesting to see if nascar changes that strategy of like you know do they maybe make it did they bring the stages back like that way that you kind of have to pit mm-hmm. um yeah so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens but at the end of the day like this is kind of what nascar asked for right the old age fans like they said get rid of the stages go yep. to a short track and you know sometimes you're just going to get an ass kicking that's just the way it is so yeah hey yeah. happens happens in every sport so you know there's only so much manufactured uh bs and nascar can throw out these guys i think they it's one on the track, and uh, I don't think anyone would argue that the best car uh, won the day. So moving on from the all-star race into, I guess, kind of the second. It's, is it really the half of the season? Have we, have, we meet, have we reached the halfway point in terms of the regular season? Or pretty uh, close? Pretty yes. close. I don't think technically halfway yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it always surprises me how many more races there are to come. It feels like we've already knocked out so many iconic races. Then you look on the schedule, and it's like, oh, there's still so much more. So I guess uh, from a from a regular season standpoint, technically yes, that was the halfway point. Or Darlington actually was the halfway point. So we got thirteen more in the regular season. So, all right. Well, there you go. The second half starts in our own backyard. The Coke Six Hundred, like I alluded to earlier. Um, again, I will not be in town, unfortunately, for the Coke Six Hundred. Chris might be in attendance. Uh, I, I'm almost positive. I mean, you would think that being in Charlotte's, um, the the kind of the stars of gambling Twitter would be out. Uh, hopefully, guy. I know. I think Wormy's going to be there. I, I, yeah. I would hope, like Derek and uh, maybe Rory, can make the trip down. I'm not sure uh, from Memorial Day weekend, but yeah. I mean, growing up in Charlotte, this was a. I mean, I never went to the event, but it was always kind of top of mind. And Memorial Day, this was what was going on in Charlotte. Uh, a lot of tourism. I've worked in the service industry, so got a lot of tourism um, from all over going to the race. So this is a this is the main event in town this week, and um, even though I grew up in Charlotte for most of my life. I, whether it be the fact that, you know, the Roval take took over uh, one of the traditional stops on the schedule, or I just never found myself going to the Coke 600. I, I know like surprisingly little about Charlotte Motor Speedway just in general. So I am interested to hear kind of Chris's breakdown, not only the track, the strategies he's implementing in the betting board, but uh, some comp courses or some comp tracks, things to look for, uh, stuff like that. So I'll, I'll let Chris, um, yeah, take it over here with his, um, his course breakdown, his track breakdown, and we'll get in the betting board for uh, some of our favorites uh, bets and touts for the week. Yeah. So obviously, like Ian just said, we're in town for the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, I think pretty much across the board, pretty much anyone will call this one of the majors of NASCAR, one of the four majors or so. Um, it's the longest. This is an endurance race. This is very much survive, survive to the end. Um, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but we saw, this very much in play last year where you had to very much survive to the end of this race. Um, but yeah, it is uh, obviously in Charlotte, more specifically in Concord, North Carolina, um, right in uh, Hendrick's backyard. Hendrick uh, is right across the street. Um, you got track house nearby um, as Ian and, and the guys from the group chat, Eric and or as John, unfortunately didn't get to see it, but as Eric got to see all the race shops are within what, 10, 15, 20 miles of each other right around this track. So this is very much a home race for everybody. Um, 
and even more the reason why I think Wilkesboro will stay in the schedule because they got to be right, you know, an hour and a half hour away from, from the race uh, or from, from here last week. So they didn't get to go, ha- didn't have to go far. Um, but yes, it is Charlotte Moore Speedway. This is a mile and a half low to midware intermediate track. Um, you've got pretty uh, high banking on the turns um, from a comp track standpoint. You're looking at Kansas and Las Vegas as your main comps, which is good because we've already seen those two races this year. Um, and then the secondary comps, which I don't know that I, I'm not actually bringing these into play just because I don't really love these. But if you look at I Fancy Race, his secondary comps are um, Auto Club, Homestead, and Michigan. Um, now, to me, two of the three of those are, are high tire wear tracks. So I don't really want to bring those into play. Um, and Michigan, I think just, just stylistically is a little different. So I'm just using to just use Kansas and Las Vegas. I'm not even using Texas, even though he, he draws that as a comp as well, just cause fuck that place. Um, but, um, yeah, so this is a D shaped oval, obviously. Um, and we used to be able to use Atlanta as a comp as well, but we can't use Atlanta anymore because the super speedway aspect. So yeah, we're pretty much just left with Kansas and Vegas. Um, when we look at a tire, the tire comp standpoint, we're actually using the same tire comp- composition that we used at Darlington, um, which I thought was a little interesting, but maybe not as interesting because that same combination was also used at Kansas, Vegas, and Fontana. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much for the most part, I'm just using Kansas and Vegas. It's really my two comps. I'm using the two races from this year uh, and the four races from last year. I'm also looking at um, obviously Charlotte from last year. Um, so yeah, I'm basically kind of all the same metrics, you know, average finish, average qualifying from those comp tracks. We're looking at driver rating, average finish at Charlotte, just like just at Charlotte in the last three years, uh, over their career here, you know, just last year, we're going to look at the total speed at all those comp tracks. We're going to look at the total speed at just Charlotte last year in the next gen era, the driver rating, just the next gen era. We've got total speed metrics for 2023. So we can see the kind of momentum who's been running well this year, who's been running well going in. And I've actually got a new one this week. Uh, after talking to, to Mark this this past week, uh, we were kind of aligning some of our strategies on how we kind of put things together. Um, and I didn't realize that one of the things I Fancy Race puts on his website into an Excel format, which I love to see, is loop data. Um, so it's kind of kind of hidden to find it. He hasn't always put, put it on his main page, but he does have loop data for um, all the comp tracks from this year. Um, so I did put together some loop data for the stats that I think are most important from the loop data. So we're looking at average running position, uh, green flag, pass differential, um, fastest laps, and then laps led from that loop data. So from those um, Kansas and Vegas, and then I did pull Charlotte from last year. So a lot of different metrics being pulled in here, but we do have at least the two big data points of Kansas and Vegas from earlier this year. So what did that model spit out? Oh, I guess one other point I want to bring out too was um, – this actually was one of the, I think personally, one of the best races of last year in this next gen era in this intermediate track. Um, it was lots of passing, lot, lot of you know side by side racing. You actually had a, we had a we had a big one at Charlotte last year, which is pretty pretty crazy. We we had like what like a six seven eight car wreck at one point. We had guys like Briscoe and Kyle Bush trying to do like slide jobs and and spinning, uh, just tons of action last well, year. So I can. Pit strategy too, because Austin Dillon had a uh, you know had he yeah. was on fresh t- got fresh tires late and uh, was almost made the charge to the lead uh, and I think he was actually one of the ones that caused um, the quote unquote big one at there at the end uh, with Larson and Chastain and a lot of the the primary contenders so uh, yeah it was a crazy race I mean I, I 
I know the the 600, at least when I was growing up, kind of had the uh, the reputation of being, being a bit of a snooze fest. Um, you know, with just obviously the length of it. And we've had, you know, with Truex uh, a few years back, Jimmy Johnson always dominated this race when he was in his peak. So it always felt like it was a bit of a one-horse race or a one-man show uh, for a lot of these iterations. But if obviously last year's anything to go by, and obviously Kansas this past year, a comp track that was produced some of the best racing we've seen all year. Um, yeah, definitely one of the more compelling 600s, I think, uh, you know, that we, we've had in the last few years here. Absolutely. And that's also a good point, too, on, on you know, talking about how long the race is as well. Um, this is the only race of the year that actually has uh, four stages instead of three. Um, so they are split into 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. I do wish that they would just keep the three and just do 100, 100, and 200, because then we'd have some really cool green flag strategies there uh, yeah. in the last stage. But it is what it is. We got four equal stages of 100 laps each. Um, and then obviously from a schedule standpoint, we've got practice and qualifying Saturday night under the lights, 7.05 and 7.45. And then the race is on Sunday at 6 p.m. I will tell you, of course, there is rain in the in the forecast for the weekend. Uh, it's not bad. It's like 50% Saturday, 50% Sunday, 50% Monday. Um, so hopefully we stay dry, um, especially from a practice qualifying standpoint. Um, Cause I do think that's going to be really important this week um, as I don't really have any bets, you know, up the board yet um, just cause I kind of want to wait to see what we're going to see. But yeah, yeah. From a model standpoint, um, I told you, I got a lot of different metrics this coming in this week. I think to be exact, you know, there's technically 12 different columns on my spreadsheet here, but some of those columns include multiple data points as well. So a lot of things coming into play here. And uh, to tell you that the top three shocked me, uh, it did. Uh, not t- two of the names didn't shock me. One of the names did, and it's the only click I've made. Um, so a little hinting here early in the podcast. Um, but the top 10 in the model is, number one, Denny Hamlin. And actually, like, pretty solidly number one. Um, number two, Tyler Reddick. Number three, Kyle Larson. Number four, Martin Truex. Number five, Chase Elliott. Number six, Kyle Busch. Number seven, Christopher Bell. Number eight, Alex Bowman, which I think is going to be back this week. Um, number nine is William Byron. Number 10, Kevin Harvick. And then number 11 is Ross Chastain. Uh, I'm sorry. 12... <laughs> sorry, after Bell, because I, I write these down along with you. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll go back. So seven is Bell. Eight is Bowman. Okay. Nine is Byron. Yes. 10 is Harvick. And then 11, 12, and 13 are Chastain, Logano, and Blaney. Okay. So not many surprises there, at least like – not like after it, after the top three, yeah. After Reddick, yes. After Reddick. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I do remember Reddick obviously having a, a fast car here last year. Uh, got into trouble. I, I don't know. If, I don't remember how he really got into trouble. I know he was running like pretty solid inside the top five most of the day. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of comers and goers, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we get to the odds board. A lot of guys that felt like they had the best car on the track at least at some point in time. Um, so yeah, if that's uh. If that's all, let's go ahead and get into the outright odds board. Uh, and very much like golf, Chris alluded to this earlier, uh, but we have a clear favorite. Um, no surprises to anybody. Kyle Larson is four and a half to one uh, as of Tuesday night on Bovada to win the Coca-Cola 600. Obviously, won here in 2021, won the All-Star race, swept the Charlotte Oval uh, that year, and then obviously was one and a half laps away uh, from maybe winning in 2022. Briscoe tries to pull the slide job that he pulled at Bristol Dirt. Doesn't go well. Uh yellow flies and then all chaos and series at the end of that race. So Larson obviously has phenomenal track history um, here since he's driven the five car for Hendrick. Um, so 
I guess, yeah, I mean, I'll do the same thing to you as you did to me in, uh, in golf, but uh, just kind of go through, I mean, obviously you're not really going to dislike Larson, but, uh, you know, do when you're approaching his prospects at the Cook 600, how worried are you about him? Because I feel like the the general decision point for most NASCAR outright betters this week is going to be, okay, do I want to bet Larson or do I want to bet two of the next year? Uh, so I know you, you do – he is third in your model, so I would assume that you maybe lean – uh, more towards option B, but maybe just talk about his overall profile and kind of what you uh, what you see from the five so far. Yeah, I mean, plus 475, plus 450 is just such a tough price to pay. But to say it's accurate is, I think, actually pretty <laughs> – I, th- I think it is. Like, I, I'm very scared of Larson. Like, there's a very good chance that he puts on another old-school ass kicking on the field just because, um, yeah, that five team just from a momentum standpoint – uh, they just seem to be hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, when you look at the two contracts from just this year, second in Vegas, second at Kansas. So, like, he's been right there. Not only was he second in both, you know, he was pretty much going to win Vegas until a late caution. Mm-hmm. And Kansas, I think, was like a late pitch strategy or like a late caution. Oh, where... oh we had him at Kansas. Hamlin fucking wrecked him. <laughs> oh, duh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. Wrecked yeah. is maybe so. So obviously, yeah, should have probably won that one as well. So you, you could potentially be talking about two two ones there instead of two twos. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I don't really have anything bad to say. I mean, yeah. even even just looking from a historical data, first in drive rating, first in average finish over the last uh, three races at Charlotte, um, his career average finish is a little lower than expected. He's actually 16th over his career in average finish here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't take a lot of stock into that because since he's been with Hendrick, he's been very good, you know, here. Um, and, um, similar track total speed as you would expect is also first. Um, and then more importantly, looking at all that loop data, right. When I pulled together, um, what were all those things I just said? Um, uh, average running position, green flag, pass differential, fastest laps and laps led Callerson's number one. And all four of those at all of the contracts between Kansas, Vegas and Charlotte. So, yeah, like to say that Kyle Larson, I, I don't know. Obviously, you, you you can't make the numbers. I mean, you can make the numbers say what you want to, but I just pull basically the same thing that I normally pull, and he just happened to be third. Uh, yeah. But um, it was more surprising to me that he was third than he was first um, mm-hmm. because from everything from this year states that he really should probably be the number one guy here. But, yeah, yeah obviously, plus 475, like if, if we were going to pay that, that would – that would pretty much be our card. Like it would, it would be Larson and, and, you know, obviously the guy that I'm already in on in a little bit, but I think that to go, you don't, it's hard for me to go in on somebody that short at the NASCAR level. When we, when we get more solidified data on Friday and Saturday, you know, it's like, you know, maybe in golf, you know, where we don't, you don't get that practice data necessarily. You can, you could potentially take that plunge at the top, but I don't know. I just think it's a little unresponsible to go towards the top in NASCAR when, when you're going to get more solidified data later in the week. So um, yeah, you, I, I'm not going in on Larson at the plus 450, but I would also not be surprised if he ran away with the competition. Right. I mean, and, and that's the thing with, with NASCAR is you have, you have a bit more time, right? Yeah. And obviously um, you have to obviously not just assess what you think of the drivers on Tuesday, but um, you know, what happens on Saturday, um, how they project in the qualifying markets potentially, and you know what that will do to their price as the week goes on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't – I mean, I don't think I can remember outside of a road course maybe like having a favorite this heavy on an oval um, like this early in the week. So when we're talking about going forward, obviously Larson, 
I, I don't I don't know this, but probably qualifies quite well at Charlotte. I'm sure he'll be fast in practice uh, if, if trends continue. So, you know, are you comfortable, you know, giving up maybe a point or half a point? Like, I mean, the, the field is so stacked that I they can't make him like two to one, you know, so they're going to like, what's the worst like number possible, even if everything does turn his way on Saturday, plus 350, something like that. Like, yeah, I mean, to your point, the, the shortest number I think I've ever seen in a NASCAR Cup Series race was Larson at Kansas two in 2021 was like plus 275. We hit that, I think. And we bet it. Yeah. And we bet it and hit it. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, 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 I guess more my thing because I think you're just taking on so much risk at plus 450 here, like this early in the week, because like there's just, there's always a chance that, you know, things don't go well on Saturday. Right. Yeah. There's things don't, and not just like in the race, but like, pre-race as markets move right like you know larson's not been bulletproof on on saturday as far as like you know he's not been he's not been winning polls at the same rate that he won in 2021 i remember he used to like go out on saturday and legit pull feels like every other race uh when he won the championship yeah. a couple years ago so we haven't seen that level of, of consistency on saturdays yet obviously sunday's race day he should be probably the favorite either way uh but maybe keep him top of mind if uh if we do get a bit of drift into the five maybe six to one range but that's a bit of wishful thinking. Let's move on into maybe some discounts that we're getting because there's a sniffle favorite. There's always kind of a bit of a give and take here at the top of the board. And with Larson at plus 450, we do have some names that, uh, you know, I'm sure read out quite well for Chris that are enticing prices here at, at seven, nine, ten 10 uh, to one and beyond. So let's start with his teammate, William Byron. It feels like we've said this pretty much all season long. Uh, the five and the 24 leading the odds board. William Byron can be found at seven to one on Bovada right now. Uh, he is then followed by his third Hendrick teammate, Chase Elliott, is 9-1. to one, And then the two JGR uh, top names of Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex, both 9-1 to one as well. So there is a five-pack here uh, with two – or no, sorry, four-pack here with two HMS drivers, two JGR drivers, Elliott, Byron, Hamlin, and Truex. From 7-9-1, to, nine to one, uh, who stands out? And, um, you know, how close are you to have maybe made a move uh, at this point in the odds board? Yeah, I think the closest I've come, um, obviously, I still want to wait, but the closest I've come is Denny at 9-1. to one. Um, Obviously, he's number one in the model, but when I look around other books, a lot of books have him at 7-1 to one right now, so we actually have the value on him. Um, so I've, I really, it's been really hard to not click that one. Um, but, you know, if I do that, then I'm kind of forfeiting going back to the top of the board if I, if I want to. Um, so that's a decision. Saying, point. You're basically saying I'm not betting Larson if you bet Hamlin right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, those options open. Yeah, which you know, there's there's a high likelihood that we won't we won't be able to bet Larson anyways. So, you know, it's just it's a lot of weighing. But if this nine to one on Hamlin, if it sticks overnight, um, it's going to be really hard to talk myself out of it. Probably come in the morning because, like I said, Denny is uh, pretty far and away the favorite of, from the numbers I've got put together here. Um, just because it Charlotte as a whole has just been very very kind to Denny. Um, he's obviously the defending Coca Cola 600 winner. Uh, he won here last year, uh, but over his career, third and average finish, um, uh, fourth and average qualifying, uh, fifth and average finish at the comp tracks this year, second in total speed at the contracts comp tracks this year, uh, fourth in, in the loop data at the comp tracks. So uh, just pretty much in, in all facets, uh, Denny is is definitely speaking my language here. Um, you know, it, he's still very much in this this white hot season that he was, he was talking about earlier in the season. He, he kind of mentioned that 
this would be the stretch where it would end. Like he thinks that this was the last race where he has a significant, like that significant advantage where he likes the schedule or whatever. Um, but yeah, Denny at nine to one, I think is, is very, very hard for me to pass up, but Martin at nine to one, I think is also very interesting as well. Um, he's actually tied with Denny for second total speed at the comp tracks as well. Um, and he's also second in the loop data and second total speed so far in 2023. Um, now the only thing he doesn't quite have going for him is the Charlotte, that one of the only blemishes in his profile is his Charlotte history. Um, average finish of ninth driver aim of about 12th. Um, but you know, at the, the two comp tracks we've had this year so far, um, seventh at Vegas, eighth at Kansas, like I said, second in total speed of those two races, very much, very much in the mix could have won those races as well. So, um, yeah, I actually, it's crazy to me to say this, but I actually almost leaned Denny and Martin over Byron and, and Chase at this point. Um, Chase, I just feel like we haven't, we, we just still need to see it. Now, Charlotte is very, very kind to Chase. This is, he's really good here as well. Second driver rating at Charlotte over the last three races here. Uh, this very much could be the race where we see Chase turn it on. Um, but until we see it, yeah. you know, I'm not really willing to, to bet him at, you know, the same number as these other two guys. Um, and Byron, you know, I, almost the same, same exact case for Byron, other than the fact that he's been just as fast as Larson has been this year. Uh, but his Charlotte history it just isn't quite as as up to par as as Larson or Hamlin's. So yeah, I think my biggest lean here is obviously Hamlet nine to one. Um, if we got a little drift on Truex to like ten or eleven, that would probably have my interest as well. Um, but I do like the JGR guys over the Elliots and Hamlin's or Elliots and Byron's. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I I, I kind of feel like I mean I I know we cast a ticket on like two weeks ago, but I, I kind of feel like. Byron's a little bit overvalued right now. Like, I don't really – like, I know Larson's obviously the favorite, I think, should be the favorite most weeks. But from what I've been watching week in, week out, I I don't really see, like, why he should be consistent the number two guy, like, over Hamlin, over Truex, over some of the names we might get to in a little bit. Like, I I would almost almost always rather – like, the, the reason we were kind of on Byron at, at Darlington, at least at the start of the week, the first click you made, was because we kind of got that bit of a drift, and he was actually priced – in my opinion, maybe more fairly. Um, but when he's seven to one and you can get Hamlin or Truex at nine, I, I, I have a hard time paying up for Byron. I, no problem. I'll pay up for Larson, right? I'll pay up for Hamlin at a, at a track where Hamlin is, you know, has, has historic uh, success at. I, I'll pay up for Truex if he shows speed on Saturday. I, I just don't know if, uh, like Byron, obviously he's, he's won, what, three or four races already this year, but he hasn't really had like the dominant type of race that I think Larson's capable of, that I even think some of the JGR guys are capable of. Uh, maybe to this point. So maybe I'm, I'm underselling him a little bit, but when it comes to like, when it comes to like Tuesday when odds drop and Byron seven and I can get a Hamlin, a Truex at nine, um, I'm, I'm right there in lockstep with you. I, I would rather um, take the bit of discount because I think the win equity is, is pretty uh, level after the five goal. I think, I think the price on Byron is more of, I think I'll disagree to where he hasn't been as dominant as Larson's because I think, I think the first, six seven races i think he was probably better than larson actually i think he was the That's best cool. car um especially like vegas and phoenix i mean i know vegas they were kind of back and forth but i still think byron had the better car and then phoenix uh you know it came down to the short run speed but still byron i think still had the best car there mm-hmm. but i think i think really what this is is i think the books kind of learned their lesson from Dollarson because if you price byron 10 to 1 he's very likely to hit the pole and then you kind of have to shorten his odds so i think this is them kind of hedging the pole because he actually is number one in the pole model as well for at the comp tracks and for Charlotte 
um, first and first on both. So, like, yeah. I think I think this is very much that they expect him to be number one on the on the front row come come Sunday. Is what kind of what I think. Yeah, um, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because obviously you're going to have to adjust on Saturday. And Byron, I think, yeah, you're right. Byron's probably shown a bit more consistent speed on Saturday than, than even Larson has. So I think, uh, yeah, the the fact that he's the favorite to win the poll uh, doesn't surprise me. And uh, for me, I, I guess we're kind of in lockstep as well because I'm just kind of going through the catalog of Charlotte memories. I know Byron's maybe leveled up a, a, a level or two this year, but um, definitely don't have that same fuzzy feeling with, with Byron at Charlotte versus like Larson – Hamlin, Truex, even Elliott. So, um, yeah, time will tell. Obviously, if we can get maybe some drift, uh, he becomes more compelling. But, um, yeah, the JGR guys would be our lean here at 9-1 to one if we were to go in that direction. But still plenty of very compelling names to talk about as we reach the 10-1, to one, um, 10 to like 14-1 to one on the odds board is, is kind of where we'll stop here. Uh, Ross Chastain uh, is 10-1 to one on this odds board. I mean, Trackhouse showed a lot of speed here last year. I remember – him and Suarez were kind of controlling that race for a lot of uh, a lot of those 600 miles. Christopher Bell always kind of always seems to kind of hang around at this at this track as well. He's 12 to one. Uh, Kyle Busch finished second here in the GGR car, uh, 12 to one here, uh, and then Tyler Reddick, uh, who I'm sure Chris has a lot to say on Red Dog, uh, but he is 14 to one in Bovada. You can find him as high as 16 to one on some other shops I'm looking at. So uh, Chastain, Bell, Bush, Reddick, as we kind of head into this teen. Uh, kind of low t- low to mid teen range. Uh, who was catching your eye in, in uh, of this foursome? Yeah, I can I say everybody. <laughs> I mean, maybe everybody but Bell. Maybe um, man, Bell just feels like a guy that I still just I feel like I still need to see more from this year. Like even last week, like we know we've we've kind of talked him up as being like the short flight king, and man, it feels like he's been like not really in the picture other than like Richmond at the short flats this year. I got very excited on his, um, the latter part of his heat race. And he was like very clearly the fastest car in that heat. I think it was the Suarez heat. Yeah. I think it was the heat one. Um, but yeah, to your point, never carried it over on Sunday. It looked like a, I mean, he was a shell on Sunday. Uh, basically. Yeah. He went backwards more than he did forwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. But testing Kyle Busch and Reddick, um, I, I kind of knew this is where I was going to want to start my card. Um, I knew that probably the top of the board I was going to be really conflicted on, and I knew that this is probably going to be the range I was going to want to kick it off on. So let's start with Ross, 10 to 1. Um, yeah, I think 10 to 1 is a fair price. I Similar to last year, right? I think the only thing that's kind of bringing him down in the model is just like prior to 2022, like his data is just not there to kind of lift him up in the model. There's just not enough there. But everything else uh, makes him very compelling this week because – you know, his average finish so far at the comp tracks this year is 10th. Average qualifying is third, which is interesting because Ross doesn't normally always qualify well, but apparently this year he has been qualifying really well at these comp tracks. Uh, but then this is where it gets even more compelling, right? Total speed at the comp tracks, fourth. Total speed last year at Charlotte, second. Drive rating last year, first. The loop data in the comp tracks this year, sixth. And then the total speed so far in 2023 is fourth. Yeah, I think Ross is scary. I think Ross is really scary. Um, if it wasn't for Denny being at nine to one, I might have already clicked Ross's name to be completely honest. But with Denny being only you know one point shorter, um, it's kind of held my held me up here a little bit. I do think it's, I don't have access to these numbers yet, um, but you know if once the top five or top ten numbers come out, I do think I'll probably click on like a Ross top five. I do think that's probably going to be on the prop card. I think I'm probably going to click that even before Saturday just because. Not only is Trackhouse shown speed 
here last year, they've all of a sudden, like, it feels like the beginning of this year, me and you were talking, like, oh, Trackhouse kind of falling off a little bit this year, and they're back. Like, all of a sudden, they are very much hitting on all cylinders again. Um, and we very much saw it at Darlington where, you know, Chastain arguably had, you know, what, top two car. So, um, yeah, I think I think Ross will be, definitely be on the prop card and potentially on the outright card. Kyle Busch and Reddick. So, this is the whole conversation of the eight versus the 45. Like all well, over again. Nice together too. Books fucking know we're having this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's like every week it feels like, but man, I, so Kyle Busch has a really good Charlotte track record, fourth and average finish, eighth and driver rating. Um, obviously finished second last year, you know, gave Denny a real run for the money to at one point before he spun. Um, yeah, he now, might- Sorry, he led when, when the white flag went, he was he was leading. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the thing for Kyle Busch, right? The downside of Kyle Busch is what we've talked about all years. Like it just hasn't been consistent speed at all, uh, or consistent finishes either, which is is so not ironic, right? Because last year we were talking about Reddick not being consistent, but maybe it's just the eight team that's not being consistent because you know 18th and average finish at the comp tracks, um, eighth in total speed at the comp tracks. Uh, eighth in total speed so far in 2023, 10th in, the, in the, as far as the loop data goes. Um, yeah, so it's just there's just not like I think that these odds should be flipped. Like I think Kyle should be more like 14, 16, 18. Um, because and I know you switch, I know you're about to say something, but I am gonna get to right for just a second because I think this really is more of like driver over car because Reddick's Charlotte history is phenomenal. Uh, we're talking fifth in drive rating, third in average finish, first in average finish over his career. Has never finished worse than 14th in his career here. Um, his finishes in the last four years are sixth, ninth, 14th, and eighth. So very much, um, very much in the mix. I didn't know he was in the Cup Series for that long, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's been four years, yeah. Um, huh. So, yeah, and all, all of those were in the eight car. And then what really stuck out to me, not only even before I put this model together, I went back and watched last year's race, obviously. And who was starting on the front row last year? The 45 car. Kurt Busch was starting on the front row last year, had a lot of speed, and then got caught up uh, in a wreck. I think it was actually, I don't know if it was the Austin Dillon wreck or if it was the that like big one, but he got caught up in one of the two. It was earlier than the big one, I think. Like I think Kurt got washed away like in stage two or stage three, maybe. I don't think he. Yeah, was yeah. actually, you're right because it looks like lap 191 is the last one he ran. So yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, dude. To your point, I think I think Kirk got, but yeah, he he showed a lot of speed early for sure. Um, one thing one thing I was gonna say about like the the 45 versus the eight and Reddick versus Kyle, I do feel like like yeah, the eight team was inconsistent and that's what cost them a championship. But I, I felt like last year it was almost through no fault of their own. It was a lot of just tire trouble and you know a fair share of pit road stuff and. It just felt very like fluky. Like they always seem to have speed when we thought they'd have speed. Something would just go wrong. Yeah. Kyle, on the other hand, it feels like they just are off the pace in some of these races. You know, and I think that's a lot more concerning to me than like, you know, just a few rogue tire uh, tires going down for for Reddick at, at some some big opportunities for him to win. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 with you there. Uh, I it, it's I, I will say it's it would be tough to like click Reddick at like the same number as Kyle is like, it would be tough to click at 12 to one because we just haven't seen Reddick. Like, I mean, obviously he dominated Dakota, but at an oval, like we've seen flashes, but never really like the race winning speed uh, from Reddick to the, to this point this year. But uh, to your point, I think you're going to, you're going to unveil the number that you, uh, 
that you have on him, and I think that's a that's a perfectly fair price to to pay, particularly with his history here. Yeah. So on our book, with like which is the number you just mentioned, he's fourteen. Now yep. I will tell you there are sixteens and even eighteens out there. Um, I don't have access to the eighteens, but I do have access to the sixteens. I am working on getting down on that currently. Um, but sorry, that, who has an eighteen? I don't. Oh, it's um, Superbook. It's like Superbook or whatever it's called. I don't even know like who has that, but I've seen screenshots of it. Like I don't know what state that is. But okay, yeah, I have no idea what that is. I've I've seen a few people reference Superbook in the NASCAR community, so I need to figure out like where that is. I don't think it's an offshore though. I think it's like a just like a small yeah book within a state or whatever. But um, yeah, Superbook has 18s, but the 16s is readily available, like pretty readily available. Um, so if you can get that 16 to price, I th- I'm, I think I'm actually even comfortable at 14. But like you said, if it's 12, not I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, but to your point, right? From a speed standpoint, so not only does he have the Charlotte history. He's also been 10th average finish at the contracts this year. Um, but even looking back at like the other contracts this year, he's actually sixth in the loop data. So all those, all those metrics I brought up earlier, um, he's showing right there behind, you know, the big Hendrick and JGR drivers. He's, he's right there in the mix with all these guys and he's ninth in total speed on the year. So like very much in the mix. So like when you have this, this kind of momentum factor where the feels like, feels like they're finally starting to click, and then you, you bring in the track history with it. You know, that's why he's sitting number two in the model for me. Um, he's by far, by far and away, the biggest value on the board for me with it being second in the model, ninth on the odds board. It's a plus seven variant. So this is what we're looking for. Like, this is the kind of bet that I've the kind of strategy I've been following this year, where it's like we want to try to get somebody in that like 12 to 18 range to kind of start the car. And then we wait, get somebody uh, a little bit lower or shorter odds later on in the week. But I think Reddick is, is very uh, a very good place to start here. So I'm excited to be here. Clicking Red Dog at sixteen to one to start of up the week. Further, further incentive for Chris to actually show up to this race. If uh, yeah, you're right. If we got a big ticket on on, on Mr. Red Dog, so uh, sixteen to one is our intended price. Uh, I believe that'd be what two units for you, Chris, based yeah. on your normal scale. Okay, and uh, yeah, so sixteen to one still gives him plenty of room. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, for some of the guys at the top of the board. Um, and I and I and I've honestly I've, I've I kind of want to double down, and, and I'll probably have them on the prop card as well. Like I, I, I can very see, very well see myself clicking like a top five on Chastain and Reddick, just like as soon as I have access to those odds. So, okay, yeah. Well, there's if you uh, if you were doubting Chris's conviction on Tyler Reddick, uh, that should tell you everything to know. Not very often we double down on outrights and props. So, uh, Chris, all in on the forty-five this week. I'll be joining him at that sixteen to one number, and let's move on. Uh, obviously. Most of the top dogs, uh, most of the favorites are already accounted for past 16 to 1, but still some pretty big headline names as we move into the 18 to 1 range. Maybe props, maybe some potential uh, outright flyers. We mentioned last year um, last year that guys like Chase Briscoe, Austin Dillon were very much in the mix to win this race. Um, down the stretch, Daniel Suarez, like we said, uh, dominated this race uh, for, for decent portions of it. So it's not unheard of that maybe a, uh, a long shot can find his way to the front. We'll start here at 18 to 1. Uh, where Bubba Wallace and Kevin Harvick reside. Uh, Joey Logano uh, rest at 22 to 1, followed by his Penske teammate Ryan Blaney at 25, and then Josh Berry, the final HMS driver, uh, excuse me, at 25 to 1, which Chris did mention that perhaps Bowman's coming back. So uh, I know we had, didn't we, did we not have, um, oh no, that's, I was, I was going to, I was going to allude to last year, at, like, I think Talladega, where we bet Noah Gregson like 90 to 1 when he was racing in like the, uh, the beer better sports car, the 62. Beard, yeah. And then he got shifted to Hendrick at the 48. So we are 91 wager stood, even though he was a Hendrick car 
that would not be the case considering it's Josh Berry on the odds board, not Alex Bowman. So I was looking for a little bit of a life hack there. Not going to happen. If you want to bet uh, Alex Bowman, if he does race, you're going to have to probably pony up a little bit more. But for now, uh, Barry is 25 to 1. Blaney is 25 to 1 alongside him. And then you have Bubba, Harvick, Legato at 18 and 22. So some big names, Chris. Does anybody catch your interest here? Or is this just the, uh, are they kind of back here for a reason? Yeah, they're back here for a reason. <laughs> um, I mean, for Harvick, Legato, and Blaney, it's very, and I guess any haven't said his name yet, but Brad. Yeah. It's, it's very much just like the Fords have not shown the speed on the intermediates. Like it's just pretty plenty simple as that. Like they've shown the speed at short tracks and, and definitely super speedways. But when it comes to the intermediates, for whatever reason, they are just, they're off. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't blame anybody because, you know, like, you know, theoretically at some point it's, it should turn around. So like, I wouldn't blame anybody for just taking a shot and, and you're, maybe you're sitting on Sunday with a, a really nice ticket uh, after practice qualifying, but uh, for me, yeah, like not even, I mean, you heard it in the model, right? Even from a model standpoint, they're 12th and 13th for me. So like, it's just not even like in the cards for me to want to even really go there. Um, the only one that even's really shown anything there is I guess Logano. He's average finish of fourth at Charlotte. Um, but when you're looking at average finish just so far in, in 2023, um, you're looking at 21st average finish for Logano and actually eight for Blaney, which is a little bit better than I thought at the comp tracks. Um, but total speed metrics is 10th and 15th. Um, similar story for Harvick, 13th in total speeds. So he does have an average finish of fourth. That just very much feels like backdoor Harvick. <laughs> like, um, because when last year, I'm pretty sure never, never saw him in the top 10 until the late, yeah. late. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, unless you're uh, wanting to try to get a backdoor, uh, a backdoor bet on a matchup or a top 10 or something like that. I just don't really see any of these guys being in the cards. Yeah. Um, you're probably thinking, oh, you're in on Reddick. Why aren't you in on Bubba? Well, you know, Bubba is very much in the Martin Truex mold where, like, if he doesn't come off the truck with the speed, he's just not going to have the speed. So, like, you know, I'm not saying that I'm out on Bubba, but, like, I definitely need to see something from him. Yeah. Saturday before I even consider putting a wager down on him, especially at, it's not even like we're like we're even getting a discount at 18. Like mm -hmm. if you know, I think he should be down here with Barry Logano and Blaney probably, but he's not. So yeah, yeah, honestly, just really not a lot of interest from me in this range. Even Josh Barry, like even if Bar Bowman doesn't come back, I don't really think this is like a, a track that Barry is really going to shine at. Wow. Um, so yeah, really honestly, I have no interest. This is probably a good fade range. Like if you have matchups against these guys. Yeah, um, that seems like the better option here. <clears throat> yeah, pay some juice, take Reddick over Logano, Reddick over Blaney, et cetera, Harvick, et cetera. Um, so I guess, I, and now that I've been looking through some other books, it seems like Barry is, we're the minority of having Barry on the odds board. Uh, a, lot of sh a lot more shops, I feel like, have Alec Bowman. I know DraftKings has Alec Bowman currently listed 18 to 1. Um, is that a move that you would, be at all interested in making is it does, I know I don't know if you've uh kind of went through Alex Bowman's profile considering we don't know if he's gonna start the race but um I, I mean a lot of happy memories at Charlotte for the 48 car uh, the lowest 48 <laughs> car so um can uh, can the ally car maybe carry some of that over uh this week in his return I will say Bowman's got really 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 good numbers at comp tracks at Charlotte but the thing is like he's coming back from like a a broken back and we're gonna be driving 400 laps 600 miles like that's a long ass day coming off an injury yeah. um so yeah i don't i don't think that's gonna be uh anything that's gonna have any interest for me good for him though like if he does come back like 
you just, you just decide to come back for the longest race of the year off a of back injury, like, okay, that's that's his commitment to get back in the seat. Um, because I would probably be like, yeah, no, I think I'm still a little stiff uh, one more week. <laughs> yeah. Tag me in after stage three, boys. How about that? I'll, <laughs> I'll sit in the grandstands for the first 300. Um, but all right. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's, uh, that's good. We've, we've talked a lot about guys we're bullish on. So starting 18 to one, Bubba Harvick, Lugano, Barry Blaney, or Barry slash Bowman Blaney, not a ton of adventures from Chris there. So let's move on into the back of the board. I'm not anticipating Chris having Chris having any outright uh, moves in this range, um, but maybe some potential prop markets, some guys that maybe stood out for better for worse in your model um, compared to where they are on the odds board. But Daniel Suarez starts us off at 33-1. Decently compelling. I mean, considering, like I, I've mentioned like three times before today, that uh, he was he had a really, really fast car uh, at Charlotte last year. Um, I mean, take it for what it's worth, but hung around that uh, the All-Star race for, for maybe longer than most expected. 33-1 <clears throat> to one this week. Ty Gibbs, 40-1. to one. It falls all the way down to 61 for Briscoe, Chase Briscoe. Um, who was running second with the lap to go or two laps to go last year. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 60 to 1. Austin Dillon, 66. Chris Buescher. I feel like I'm just wasting my breath at this point. So uh, so I'll, I'll just leave this for Chris. Uh, as per usual, we've talked about our outright leans at the very top of the board. So maybe some prop leans, maybe some matchup leans. Uh, what do you have here past 40 to 1, Chris? Yeah, I think from an outright perspective, I'm, I'm probably not going to go this deep just because – I know we saw glimpses last year of like Briscoe and Eric Jones and Austin Dillon and yeah, but I think we've pretty much kind of ruled that out this year. Like I, I don't think these these teams like the cream has risen to the top very much this year. We're like we're kind of past that stage of like seeing a guy this deep um, really make a case to win. Um, so I can't really envision myself. I know it's not what listeners probably want to hear. Listeners love hearing the 50, 60, 80 to one outrights, but. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not really convinced that anybody, um, yeah, anybody past the it's all right. 18, 16, 18 to one range from the outright <laughs> market. But but from the from like a prop standpoint, right? I think the names that come that at least kind of flash for me. So literally right behind Blaney and only separated by you know not many points in the model actually. It's actually Ricky Stenhouse. Um, so I'll be looking at him kind of in the prop market. He actually was up there a little bit last year too. So. Uh, for, for a team that's kind of been hitting all, cinder, all cylinders this year, 14th and average finish at the comp tracks um, and 8th eighth, and eighth average finish at Charlotte uh, over the last three races here. So that's actually a lot better than I expected for that team. Um, so Stenhouse kind of draws some interest for me. Suarez definitely is of interest to me. Um, you know, if if I if you like pin me down and maybe pick a guy to, to, to go out outright on in this range, it probably would be Suarez. Um Really, I mean, the Charlotte metrics aren't really there, but um, last year was a completely different story. I mean, you're talking about he qualified eighth. He was fourth in total speed, sixth in driver rating. And then this year at the comp tracks for that loop data I've been referencing this whole time, that kind of that new metric I've been bringing this week, he's actually fourth tied with Denny Hamlin in, in the loop data. A lot of that coming from the past differential category. So he's a guy that doesn't qualify very well but can make up the ground and kind of make his way up to the field. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know in what capacity I'll be betting Daniel, but he'll definitely be a guy I'll be kind of keeping an eye on, probably in the top 10 market, maybe a matchup. Um, yeah, because I think he's – him and, tra- and Trackhouse alone just are – I expect them to have a lot of speed this weekend. Yeah. Um, 
a guy that I kind of always gains interest for me here. And I've, you know, he's a prior 600 winner. He almost won it last year. He, he made a real run for it on that strategy you mentioned. But Austin Dillon does have really good Cook 600 numbers. He's really good at these kind of D-shaped oval tracks. Um, 11th in drive rating and 11th in average finish over last races here. Um, ninth in qual- He qualified ninth last year. Uh, his total speed metrics weren't really there, but he just seems to be a guy kind of similar on super speedways too, but at, especially at Charlotte over these long endurance races, he's a guy who just kind of knows how to make it to the end. He knows how to kind of be there and be in the mix. So um, yeah, I think Austin Dillon top 10 will, will probably be on the card. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's all we needed. Um, save the money in that way markets, maybe chase a, uh, a Stenhouse, a Suarez, a Dillon uh, in some of the matchups and some of the, the more safer props um, as, as they, as they emerge, as the week goes on. So as it stands, uh, Chris has one click. Um, I guess he's one click is pending. We're, we're still trying to get the, uh, the access to the number, uh, but 16 to one, if you can find that on Tyler Reddick, that is a move that Chris is interested in making uh, for two units. And that leaves, I would say as much room as you could possibly need uh, as far as the outright board as the week goes on. Chris talked about obviously Denny at nine to one being a, a number he's quite interested in uh, maybe holding off a little bit, just, um, just to maintain a bit of flexibility as the week goes on, but certainly uh, has room for two guys underneath 10 to one. I mean, assuming it's not Larson um, or, you know, I'll try my best to convince him to bet the five at, at four and a half to one uh, for the rest of the week, but that might just be a personal play uh, for your boy. So that's all I've got, Chris. Um, the floor is yours if you want to talk uh, anything else. But I think uh, we gave the audience as much as we can, as much as we can get them on a Tuesday night for the uh, Coke Six Hundred. Yeah, I, um, I think like I think you said it pretty well. Like I think, I think where I stand right now, so similar to you, like I'm just contemplating. Like I could go three units a piece on Hamlin and Chastain at nine and ten to one, and feel pretty good going into Sunday, or I just kind of wait it out and do a, a one click at the top of the board and go up to five up to plus 500 you know like i literally could go up to plus 500 if i wanted to or still make the two clicks at nine and ten to one at three units that's probably what i'm going to end up doing is one of those two two routes yeah um and i had another thought what was i going to say oh you mentioned uh the guy who used to be good in the 48 lowest car jimmy johnson actually is racing this week i saw that yes yeah. <laughs> one that's gonna be that's definitely worth a click come on now um I just want to lose my money so bad, Chris. Yeah, I was gonna say if you want to lose your money, sure. Because especially now, that. especially now they announced that they're moving to Toyota next year. Like, yeah, the Chevy ain't <laughs> gonna be giving them any speed in their backyard. So oh, no. don't <laughs> don't make me fade Jim Jam. Don't make me fade him at, at Charlotte. <laughs> but yeah, that's um pretty much pretty much all I've got for this week. Um, like I said, not not a lot of compelling options outside of the kind of the top guys here. But I was excited to see, you know. Reddick, Reddick being number two in the model was, was definitely like a eye-popping moment. Like, oh, my God, I need to figure out what he's at in the odds board before he uh, lose this. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, have, I, have, I think the last time I was, like, this confident on Reddick was Vegas in the playoffs last year. We actually did take it home. Um, I think it was Vegas, right? Texas. Texas, you're right. It was Texas. Um, it was, like, the last time he really popped, and it actually kind of worked out. So, mm-hmm. similar vibes. Similar with that same energy this weekend. Very smart of Chris also to wait like two months in the season before he really like juices his numbers for Reddick. If, if he would have done this like on week one, we would have been like, all right, Chris. Yeah, he's number two in the model, but. Um, was not on purpose. I swear I did not make this happen. I pulled the same numbers I always pull. I'm, I'm fucking around. I'm fucking around. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch the 45 car. I mean, um, I think this is a pretty big, this is a, this is a big like inflection point for Reddick this year because for those of us that have maybe some championship aspirations for him, 
uh, or even just, you know, a, the hopes that he can go deep in the playoffs, um, you know, performing on a track like this, performing on an oval, because we know obviously he can get it done the road courses now. He checked that box off. Um, if he can, you know, show that he has race winning speed, if this team can show has race winning speed in an oval like Charlotte, I think all of a sudden you got to take that 45 camp a lot more seriously going forward. So excited to see the developments uh, the weekend. Um, jealous I can't be down in Charlotte for the festivities, but we'll certainly be watching as much as I can of the six hours uh, from here in Florida. So enjoy the race, guys. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that. And uh, peace. Let's catch another winner. Yeah, let's do it. And if you're going to plan to be at the race, I don't know if I'm for sure going to be there, but I probably will be at the Xfinity race on Saturday. So if you are in town or, or going to any races, just feel free to let us know and I'll, you know, love to meet anybody. So yeah, with that being said, we'll see you guys next week.